When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello everyone, it's Meg from Killing at the Crime Cast. Am I supposed to, is this where, where I come in? And Yeah, and then you go, <laughs> I'm Lux. Oh hi everyone, I'm Lux. Oh, Perfect. we're so professional. Look Such a good job, mate. That was really good. Like, we should definitely be paid for this. We should, you know what we should do? We should we should do a podcast together. Oh my God, mate, we would be so good if we did a podcast <laughs> together. <laughs> I bet um, people would love it and leave us a bunch of five-star reviews. Hey, hey. Nice, I like that. Speaking so on, of which. Yeah. So on iTunes, we want to say thank you to Phoebe Sophie, James and Selena and Hentros for their lovely reviews. Oh, excuse me. Just having a little burp. Just so filled up with pr- joy from these reviews. That's it's just exiting my mouth very quickly. They really were lovely fashion. though. So I don't I don't blame you. They were really sweet. And also we got a new patron, um mm. Deanna Dudley. Thank you very much. And Lisa Lebo upped her donation before we even released an episode. So thank you very much, Lisa. Yeah, that was sweet. Cool. Good. Well then, oh, that's no. Oh. No. I want to talk to you about cults because I finished it last night. Oh, did you? Yeah, mate. Shit ending, innit? Okay, so spoilers alert. Should we just talk about it, frankly? Yeah, we might as well. Don't listen if you've not watched it yet. Okay, good. Go on. Okay, so first of all, how much do you love the main character by the end of it? Oh, a lot. Like, like she, just in she love plays with her. the best characters in every fucking thing. Like, she does. Asylum, she? she was the best. Yep. Yeah. No, I love her. I absolutely no, love I- her. I loved it. Like at the beginning, Meg and I were just watching it and going, you stupid bitch, every time she did something (laughs) dumb. (laughs) But towards the end, she was actually kick ass. I really liked her. So yeah, I really liked that she kills her wife. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah, her wife was horrible. I loved the way she did it. Her wife was not a good person. I would like oh to put God. that out there. Also, she was just there like, Ali, you're so weak, blah, blah, blah. And then she's there like, I just want someone to take care of me. Literally. I just want someone to tell me what to do. And I'm like, bitch, be your own person. And her what whole thing hell? was, oh, how dare you have a phobia? That's so, that's so annoying for me. It's yeah, like, exactly. Up. Don't be with exactly. her then. And also, when they were dating, she was talking about how when she was in college, Ivy was helping her through her phobia and paranoia and anxiety and all of that. And I'm just there like, if you got into the relationship, knew that this was going on and then decided to marry her anyway, like... Who's the idiot now? Yeah. yeah, You can't complain about it after that. Like, if someone married me and then was like, oh yeah, you know how you've got depression, by the way? Oh, it's kind of annoying. I'd be there like, bitch, we dated for years. What, how are you... How... No, no. Uh, that's, that's kind of a deal breaker for me. Well, you should have said that <laughs> 10 years ago, you dipshit. Literally, what yeah, is our problem? Very silly, if you ask me. I th- I think the ending was really good. I love that out of nowhere, you realise that she is the mole. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. So that for good. a while, for a while there, you're just like, oh, oh, this bitch, she'd been turned. Yeah, and then, yeah no. I genuinely believed that. And I like that they decided that the kid wasn't the cult leaders because that was just a weird thing to... What a coincidence. Like, do you know what I mean? I thought that was very odd. So it's a good thing that it wasn't his. I would not have enjoyed that. 
Well, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> also, so that's that in a nutshell. Have you seen the second series of American Vandal? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, oh my God. Did you, so. did you see season one? Yeah, I watched it. Okay, so no spoilers here. You can come back, people who are worried about being spoiled. Yep. Season two, I watched it all in one night. You know, I've it's been watching so a lot good. of lately. Catfish. Yes, mate. I've nearly w- watched all catfish, all of them. I just started. I just started an episode before uh, before we started recording. Actually, me too. It, I lo- it, I just watched. Oh, which where, one? I watched the one where Antoine and Tony, and it's the one where it's the lady in the pink jacket, and she's like, "You should have never called me a fat ass, Kelly yes! Price." That's like my favorite yes! one. So yeah, I enjoyed that. Now we're six minutes in. We might have to get to the murder soon. I'm happy to talk about this all day. You know what? My mum told me off yesterday for talking about my life too much. And I'm like, you know what? It's my podcast, mum. Thank you very much. <laughs> Literally, when you have your podcast, you can r- talk about whatever he has, <laughs> the hell you want to talk about. But you're mate. right. We should we should get to the murder because... Yeah, uh, that's what people came for. That's what people came for. But at the same time, they come for the murder. They stay for the bants. They stay for the <laughs> memories. For the- <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't believe it. I- on that note. <clears throat> <sighs> All right. Go on then. Tell me about a murder, Meg. Right, my my one today is about a guy called Christopher Porco. Right. Do you have a game for this one? Right, okay. No, wait, one. wait, okay, wait, if you do have yeah. a game, pause. It's now the mash. It's now the monster mash. The monster mash. That, that's good, I like that. That's very fitting. Okay, hang on. Um, go on, go on. I was trying to say it, but you got so excited Sorry. with the song. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was so excited. Mm, mm, oh, uh, the dude from, okay, okay, so, so the dude from The Shining. Yeah with a little bit of cult, actually. Of? The one that we just watched Oh my together. God, hang on, it's not recording my voice. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> okay, so a little bit of American Horror Story cult. Yeah, a little bit of Excellent. that as well. Any guesses? Charismatic man, emotionally mm. disturbed, emotionally tenuous um, with mm-hmm. his rage. Um, okay. And some sort of family killing. Oh, very oh, good guesses. lovely. Right. I like that. Lovely. This is good. So, on to my one. This guy, Christopher Porco. That's the name of the person who, who done it. It sounds, Porco, it yeah, sounds like an Australian guy, an um, Australian person. You know how they say, like, I'm going for a smoko, like I'm going for a cigarette? It sounds <laughs> I'm like. Going down the Porco. Or it sounds like they're having a shag and it's like, oh, yeah, I, <laughs> he and I had a Porco. Like, you know, when you pork somebody? Yeah, I know. Yeah, Porco. They call it rooting, though, which is just ridiculous if you ask me. Yeah, I don't understand that at all. Where does that, where, what's the origin? I don't know, I'll have to ask my mate. I live around the corner from Australian. Yeah, you, you do that. You do the later. research. Anyway, good. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Carry yeah, on. Do the research after the podcast. <laughs> That's how it works. So on the 15th of November, 2004 is when this is set. Okay. I'm taking you all the way to Del Mar, New York. And uh, we're looking at Joan and Peter Porco. <laughs> They've both been found seemingly, stop it. This is serious. <laughs> okay. Uh, actually, before I crack on properly, trigger warnings, oh. it gets a bit gory. That's all I've okay, got. Okay, cool. Um, so, Joan and Peter have been found seemingly murdered, right? Peter has massive head injuries and he's found in the downstairs of the house. Joan's found lying in bed with severe head and facial trauma. Now, Joan actually survives, but she loses an eye and a lot of her face, like a big old chunk of it, which is not great, obviously. A chunk of her face? Yeah, just like off me. It's not there anymore. Which chunk? What we'll do is I'm going to put a link in the show notes. If you want to have a little click... Be warned, there is going to be some very graphic uh, images on there of like the murder scene because this is what's so interesting about the case. I'm going to get okay, onto that a bit later. Fantastic. But like her eye, I think it's her her left eye or her right her right eye as you look at her and like, you know, like facial reconstruction, they've obviously done oh, yeah, that. Yeah. And yeah, bless her. Like she looks pretty normal now, but it's still not great. And they found a fireman's axe, like a big one, 
lying in the bedroom, which is, this is the murder weapon, okay? That's what the shining thing was. Because, you know, he just like smashes through the door. Yes. Oh. Yeah. So this is the, the the bit that really got me, right? Now, Peter gets half of his head cut off and then goes about his morning routine, right? Because apparently the part of the brain which does, which makes judgments about things was just cut out. So he didn't have that anymore. Wait, so how did it get cut out? By the axe, right? That's the murder weapon. So, okay, so just listen to this. He goes to the kitchen. He packs a lunch. He even signs a check for his son's parking tickets. So Peter suffers 16 blows to the head, which took off half of his lower jaw. Oh, here's his morning. Okay. He goes to the toilet. He shaves. He makes his way through the house to the kitchen. I suggest you have a quick look now, actually. It's called like Bazaarpedia link in the show notes. You can literally look at the pictures as I talk through it. Okay. Do not read any of the words until you just scroll down to the pictures. I will not read the Otherwise words. Otherwise, you're going to spoil yourself. I'll trust you. Oh, I see what you mean about... Oh my gosh, that is a the chunk, face. isn't it? It is. So just scroll right down. Don't look at anything. I'm not looking. Okay. You down to the pictures with the blood in them? Yeah, shit, man. <gasps> yeah, right? So from here, he makes his way through the house to the kitchen, leaving handprints on the walls and stuff. He manages to load the dishwasher, pack himself for lunch... And signed to pay for his son's parking tickets. And he, he doesn't even, notice the weirdest blood bit. that he that does it because the the part of his brain which makes judgments and would go, "Oh my god, this is fucked," is gone. He doesn't have that. Oh my god. Yeah, like you know how there are some animals like mollusks and shit that don't make judgments. They basically I've had to study this for philosophy. They don't. It's have just free all will, instinct, isn't because it? they don't have choices. Yeah, exactly. That's what he's doing, and this is why. I mean, he's fifty four. This bloke. He's obviously got a set routine. He walks outside to get the paper, locks himself out remembers his hidden key under the mat, gets back in the house Shit. and pretty much just dies there. <gasps> he dies? fucked. Yeah, you can, you can see in one of the pictures uh, his legs. Yeah, I, um, I was worrying, I was wondering about that and then I was like, oh, maybe he fell over. No, okay. He probably did fall over and then, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> but I was hoping he was just, still Just alive. chilling, leaning against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny, this poor man. I <laughs> know, oh, it's not funny. It's really sad. What's funny is that so, I thought in this crime scene photo the man had just fallen over and they took a photo rather than helping it him. looks like he's trying to get through a cat flap because oh it looks like it's a door i was so confused by that i was like what he gets back in through the cat flap oh i broke into I read my it dad's and I was like, house oh. through the cat flap before you've got a big cat flap though, no i haven't, I haven't through gotten it. through it but i used the barbecue tool to turn the key on the other side so any burglars listening uh, feel free, no, <laughs> feel free. <laughs> go now for it know. the more you know so the police immediately focus on his younger son christopher because, for this main reason, as medics attend to Joan, because they, they sort of, I don't know how they were alerted, probably because there was blood all over the front of the house and the door was open and they could see a dead man through the door, I would assume. Yeah, and neighbors. he was probably bleeding all over the place when he went out to get the post. Yeah, exactly. As medics attend to the, the mother, Joan, a man called Detective uh, Baldish, B-O-W-D-I-S-H. So he's not bold. Asked, He's boldish. Boldish. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> he he asks Joan if she could identify her attacker. Obviously, her face is broken, so she, she but she nods. He says, Is it a family member? She nods. Uh oh. He says, Is it your older son, Jonathan? She shakes her head no. Is it your younger son, Chris? Shakes her head yes. Oh shit, me. And the reason that they, this is brought up was because she was so badly injured that they thought this would be the dying declaration now i googled what it was because it linked me off to somewhere else a dying declaration is um evidence which stands up in court 
Um, and it is a basically a verbal he did it kind of thing. So before the before you work the into a murder dies. scene, someone's about to die. They go, it was the butler, and then they die. That's evidence, right. basically. And apparently, it has different um, connotations than like a normal um, witness testimony. So that's interesting because because what they've got nothing to lose. So it's like, oh, I'm dying yeah, now exactly. anyway, so I might as well just tell the truth. Whereas if you're still alive, you're like, oh, yeah. what if my son will hate me? sort of thing yeah exactly okay. it's like the last words kind of thing right yeah yeah because yeah because that will come back up and here's the background so there's a lot of financial problems with the son Chris like weird stuff like Chris will take out a loan and forge his dad's signature as a co-signer and then his dad will find out and be like mate what are you doing and he will just kind of ignore it that's so, super rude why Why? It, it is a bit impolite isn't it like he got out a loan and co-signed his dad and the loan was for a fucking Jeep Wrangler and his dad was like, mate, you don't, don't do that. That's not cool. And then he got kicked out of uni and he got out a 31 grand loan so and how, co-signed his dad. How old is this guy at the he's time? He's at uni. So I'm assuming he's about 20. I couldn't, I didn't see it written anywhere how old he was, but I could probably have a quick Google. Oh God. So he's like. But, but yeah, he's around yeah. his 20s. He's not all old. Okay. Yeah. Um, now there's uh, email correspondence that, that's part of this case. Two weeks before his murder. Um, Peter emails Chris did you forge my signature what the hell are you doing I am going to call the bank um, <clears throat> obviously in relation to one of these and, and there's another one when he finds out about the Jeep Wrangler I want you to know if you do it again I will be forced to sign forgery affidavits oh gosh which is obviously suing him we may be disappointed with you but your mother and I still love you and care about your future oh bless him so good parents because they're like don't be a fucking dick but we love you yeah wonderful right that's good parenting I'd say yeah I think it's really good so here's what happens. The investigators go, Chris, what have you done, right? And interviewing him. And he says he went to the dorm lounge that night to sleep. Don't know why the lounge. Is that is that what they call the dorms in general? Not, it's not, is it? It's, it's not. Oh, no. In, anyway. in the States, you have you have your bedrooms and then you have a shared lounge area. And like maybe okay. you'll have like table football in there or maybe it'll just be sofas and TV or maybe like I right, don't know. Yeah. Or there'll be like a microwave in there and whatever because you do share a room with everyone. You know that like classic bunk bed and then there's desks sort of thing. Yeah, school trip kind of shit. Yeah, but that's uni in the States. <laughs> yeah, fuck No that, personal space. How do you have a no wank? No thanks. Literally. <laughs> like how, oh, how do you get laid? I don't understand it. Where do you pick your nose? Do you know, like, there's no, there's nowhere. Nowhere. And you don't even... The showers are even shared. Yeah. And you don't get paired with mates or anything because you're going off to uni. You just get a stranger. And then it's like, oh, hi. Yeah, I fart really loudly and pick my nose all the time. And also... <laughs> I dribble everywhere when I sleep. I'd really Good fancy luck. a wank. Could you just leave for a bit? Like, what? Oh, my God. No. What would you even do? That's no life, no. if you ask me. No, it's not. <laughs> all the things we just mentioned took up at least 70, 75% of my time at university I don't know what I would have done otherwise <laughs> not uni then is it so it's so not uni without told, the wanks and the nose picking is it literally it's all I did tonight. so he went to the dorm room sorry the dorm lounge to sleep and he woke up the following morning that's what he tells the police and the police go no you didn't mate you drove to your parents in the early hours because we have a bloke who works on the toll booths in New York State and he says he recalls the excessive speed of your bright fucking yellow Jeep Wrangler <laughs> to just before 2am on November the 15th. Mate, so that'll be after. I think I might know like, this case. I'm sorry, but that's not a getaway car. No, Do you know, like, no it's not a getaway car. <laughs> especially when your dad's been like, why did you buy this precise car that's really bright? And then you drive the really bright, precise car straight through the like toll. Like he's an idiot. And also four different security cameras recorded a car that just happens to look like his. 
leaving the campus at 10.30pm on the 14th and returning at 8.30am on the 15th. Yes. I so, th- perfect time I frame. think I have heard of this case before. Like, I can't remember it, but I definitely remember some young guy at, like, at uni pretending that yeah. he was there the whole time and then he was caught on camera going back and forth. So, yeah. So he's an idiot for that, basically. Yeah. Like, why would you think you get away with Bore your mate's cough, you know, at the very least. But... <laughs> So next, at the very not, mate, not, obviously not encouraging. Mate, I'm just going to go, you know, chop my parents to bits with an axe. Can I please just use your car? Just a few. Don't hours. worry, I'll chuck you some petrol money, mate. It's fine. <laughs> so, so a bit of background on Chris now. Basically, the police think that he's a sociopath or a psychopath. Mm-hmm. He's got a history of pathological deception, things like egomania. For example, he got kicked out of uni the first time. You know how I said that he had to get out an extra loan oh, to yeah, go yeah. back to uni? Yeah. He got kicked out because his grades were really crap. And the, the uni sent his parents the grades because they were really worried about it. And they were like, what the fuck, Chris? They, they, in the subject line, it was something like, bad grades again, what's this? And <laughs> what's then, this then? <laughs> what's this all about then, mate? And he pretty much blamed it on a uni administrator and was like, there's no way I could ever, someone like me could ever get below a B was basically his his line of reasoning. So he obviously thought that highly of himself. Right. Not, you know, it's not possible for him to get any lower. Peter, the dad, uh, obviously works in the same place for a while. And his workmate says that, yeah, Chris was a fucking sociopath. Like, because his, he would ring his dad at work just with the r- most ridiculous requests because he was just so... Entitled. Self-centred. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Chris also told... He basically had been keeping up a web of lies at university. All of his uni friends thought that Peter's family were really rich and influential. Oh. Like, in a big way. And he, he managed to keep this up for, like, a couple of years because, obviously, he dropped out and went back. He has a, like, a long history of antisocial behaviour. There's some really weird stuff here. So he broke into his parents' home in 2003 to steal a laptop that he later sold. And he did the same thing in 2002 with two laptops. It's like, how did you break into your parents' house? They obviously didn't trust him with a key, which says vo- like speaks volumes in my Yeah, way. yeah. But also, would, wouldn't they just know it was him? They did. And they called the police. Yeah. And they were like, no. How, and the, yeah. how does he think so, he's going to get away with this? It's, again, literally. stupid. Yeah, but that's egomania. That's him being like, oh, I would never get arrested for this. I'm, yeah. you know, yeah. and not understanding. So yeah, that that's that's obviously supporting the claim of the police that he's a, a psychopath. And Christopher also, this is a weird one. Him and his brother had a same a same email address for an eBay account. So he, he could get into his brother's eBay account, basically. And he would make fake listings on his brother's eBay. And then when they got in touch to be like, cool, I've PayPal'd you the money, send me the thing. He would tell them some sob story about how his brother died of cancer and he can't send them anything um, right now and they're just going to have to wait. And he scammed those people out of money. Like, he, like the police got called again over it. Jesus. So he's just doing the most weird, fucked up... Because there, that is lying about the death of your own brother to fraudulently steal money from other people. Yeah. And also stealing from your fucking parents. Like, those are two of the most fucked up things I, could, I think you can That's, do because it's family. Yeah. Yeah, like, why? what makes him think that he's allowed to do this stuff to his family? Does he not see it as a big deal? Like, especially because they're not rich, you know? You can't just replace yeah. three laptops and it be no big deal if you're not extra, extra wealthy. Not, and even, exactly. even if you are, you've probably got some documents on there that, were, you know, can't be replaced. Yeah, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Why? Like, yeah, it's super fucked up. So the defence was resting on this. There were no fingerprints on the axe at all, right? Okay. Um, and Chris never actually confessed. But there's some evidence that shows that the interview process is really difficult for someone's sociopath or a, or a psychopath because they will just lie and you won't have a fucking clue. Mm-hmm. So apparently there's some very careful work you have to do as an interviewer to to be able to like um, extract that sort of information out of a sociopath. Oh, that's um, interesting. 
it is interesting. So if we ever do, when we get on to sorting out some minisodes at some point, I would like to look into that. That would be, be really, like cool interview strategies. Yeah. Exactly. And also the defense stated that the police in that county, they were called, uh, it was in a place called Bethlehem. They were called Bethlehem police. Apparently they only chase skateboarders away from 7-Elevens. They're not the FBI. So they're basically saying the police are useless. What, like, that's, you know. Mm. But I don't understand why that abuse of defence, because that's like him saying if they were any better, they would have got him, but they haven't, you know? Yeah. It's a bit bit of an odd thing to state in the defence. So onto the trial. They had to move the trial because of the intense media coverage, because obviously, like, what sort of person does that to their own parents? Yeah, that's dramatic. Yeah, it's mad. And for, for what? Like, what's the motive as well? The money problems. His dad was threatening to sue him. And he was, I mean, how much does a brown new Jeep Wrangler in 2000, yeah, I mean, any brown new Jeep Wrangler, it's going to be monies, like a lot. It's going to be, it's going to be some dollar. Yeah, mate, it will be. And also... But also, I don't, what, did he think he would inherit? Is that, is that what we're getting to? I don't, it was never really clarified. They pretty much just go, he was angry at his family, he was a sociopath, he did this. Okay. As far as I can, because the the reasoning seems to be that he's a sociopath, because he's already hurt his family in the past for money. Mm. So it might have been a, oh, my dad's going to sue me. His dad mentioned how he was going to go to the bank and put a block down so that he couldn't be co-signer for anything ever. Right. So his stream of money was about to be cut off. I don't think it was an inheritance thing necessarily. Okay. And then, so the trial was moved because of the, of the super intense media coverage. And then the next trial was super quick. In 2006, the jury began, began deliberations in August. Chris was found guilty of second degree murder and attempted murder. So obviously second degree is his dad and attempted murder is his mum. Yeah. Why is um, it only second and, then, and not first? Do you know? I do know because I don't. I, I didn't until literally ten minutes ago. Know the difference? I've literally just googled it. First degree murder. It has to be premediated with malice of forethought, which basically means mm-hmm. you hated them before you did it, and it has to be willful and intentional. But that obviously sounds he like premediated it. Second degree murder. But that's the same thing. Like what he did. But it's not premediated. Premeditated. Do you mean? So he didn't. Nec- yeah, you're right. It's premeditated. Yeah. So basically secondary murder he ba- the, the argument is he's just a psychopath he didn't plan to do this for weeks and weeks oh, he didn't have any proof okay. in his room that he'd made a plan you know okay, that kind okay. of thing whereas for, for me I'm thinking mm. the drive over is enough time to decide what you're going to do when you get there getting an axe from wherever is enough the axe was in the house uh, yeah that's the issue okay maybe yeah okay, so, so he could argue that he was yeah. just going to break in again or something uh, okay exactly right. or threaten them or anything you know because yeah. But, but he obviously did it when his parents were asleep. Because the dad lost judgment part of his brain, he sat up and didn't even clock on that his wife was laying motionless in the bed beside him covered in blood. Mm. So he did it when they were laying down in bed asleep, which is just fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Um, basically, he was sentenced to 50 to life on each count. So a minimum of 50 years in prison. And he's 20. So he's, he's not getting out. Yeah. Um, and, and the judge says in his closing statement... I fear very much what happened in the early morning hours of November 15th is something that could definitely happen again. Yeah. So that's his his main reasoning for obviously just, you know. Now here's another fucked up part. Now I couldn't really find much on exactly why, but the mother was in total denial after the fact that Chris ever did anything. What? Yeah. Anything, even like the stealing and no, the... No, the stealing is off she admits because obviously they've got that documented... But she denies he was even there that night. She denies that he killed them. So obviously she told the detective when she motioned and at the very least indicated to the detective on the night that it happened and it was him. 
But since then, she has been in total denial. She believed her son was innocent from the very get-go off the hospital, despite the evidence that's mounted against him. He even lived with his mother during the trial and walked her to court every single day. That is fucked up, mate. It's insane. Because now you guys will have seen from the from the show notes that the article was originally about how his mum was there for him throughout the whole thing. Which is just insane. Imagine your own child kills the person that you love the most and then you just go, nah, pray didn't though, did he? What does she think happened? She she thinks it's not him. I read this thing on the Wikipedia, actually, um, which we'll also link in the show notes. I'm going to find it quickly. Because it's this weird connection to a crime family that apparently should have been acknowledged, but it wasn't. Oh. So I'm going to read this out. Okay, so his defence attorney, uh, Kindlin, Terence Kindlin, says basically the police overlooked the possibility that the dad's death was the result of a retaliation against the dad's uncle who's called frank now frank was a captain in the bonanno crime family in new york city and frank served two years in prison for loan sharking and extortion and basically frank's nickname with the mob was the fireman and the weapon that was found was a fire axe oh. and he had served the new york city fire department so the argument is it was some sort of mob shit where they basically was retaliation against the uncle and they killed him. Oh, shit. Yeah. I don't know if that holds any weight, to be honest, looking at the evidence that comes with the, um, I mean, the fucking Jeep and everything. It does like, seem circumstantial. It does, doesn't it? He could have just been going to pick up drugs or something and that's why he didn't tell the police, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But then he's already done fucked up shit to his parents before, so I'm not... But again, circumstantial. But then he, but then on the night, his mum nodded, yes, it, it was Chris. I know. So it's like, unless she was super confused, because I feel like if that happened to me, I'd be confused. Yeah. Who knows? It is, it is interesting, because now I'm thinking about it, maybe not, it is circumstantial, but he's got a history of lying and everything else. So it, it's a difficult one. It really is. Hmm. Um, have I got anything else to say? I don't think I do. I think I'm done on that one. Cool. Yeah. What... A weird one. Yeah, what a wild ride, eh? I'm, I'm pleased that the mum survived. Less pleased that she's still, you know, supporting that man. I mean, you can kind of see that he's evil from his eyes, but I don't know if he's evil enough to kill his dad. Yeah, I know what you mean. It is a bit odd, isn't Just it? Just from his face. But from his face, I know he's, I know he's evil. Look at him. Look at his weird little glasses. I know. What Gross. is with them? I, I just, just, I don't know. This is, this is an aside. I hate when people like, get glasses and they're like the tiniest motherfuckers in the world. Like tiny and weird little, little wiry things. It's like, just get mm. them that look good. You have to wear them anyway. You have to wear them every day. Make them fashion. Do you know what I mean? Take a, take a leaf out of Michelle Visage's book. Make it And make them fashion. fashion. I totally agree. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. That was fun. So that's, um, that's all our, fashion advice podcast it's been great uh, see you <laughs> see next you later. No, <laughs> um although we will be pausing for a bit so bye, bye. hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And then I fart and then we come back. Hello. <laughs> hey. <laughs> oh, gosh. We're back and you're back yes. too. Guess who's back? Back again. It's the Monster Mash. Tell a friend. Good. Because it's now the Mash. The The lipstick killer and the East Area Rapist slash original Night Stalker. Oh, 
That's my monster mash. Okay. I don't know who the lipstick killer is. So if you listened to the episode that Sam and I did about it, it was the guy who got wrongfully convicted for the lipstick killer crimes, you know, writing the messages on the wall in lipstick. And it like, there was like not enough fingerprint evidence oh, and the handwriting evidence yeah. to match up. Okay. It's so that this guy. one's about some weird evidence, right? Because the ECRA rapist was convicted on the, on the, the DNA, on the DNA mm-hmm. stuff. So mm-hmm. I th- I'm, I'm guessing it's about weird evidence and murder. Oh my God. How did you know there was a murder? <laughs> just, just like a yes, I guess. Um, yeah, so kind of. I'll 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 link it back as we go. Cool. Are you ready? I've got to be, haven't I? Really? Sign up for it. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> Go on. Um, I'm going to paint you a picture. We're in Tustin, California. Okay. It's September 30th, 1979, and you've got okay. So when you spell it corporal, but it's an army thing. Corporal. Corporal. Yeah, you're thinking of lieutenant, which is spelled left. Lieutenant. No, lieutenant and lieutenant are different things, aren't they? No. Am I thinking of colonel, which is spelt clo- yeah, colonel? Yeah, that's what you're thinking of. Co- colonel. Right. Yeah. Colonel. Okay, so 21-year-old Corporal Kevin Green mm-hmm. is in the Marine Corps, and he and his 20-year-old wife are chilling. Now, sh- his wife is called Diane, and she is Major Prego. She's, like, ready to pop, pretty Full much. Full on, ready to go, yeah. Yeah, so they're chilling out, whatever, having a great time and then kevin fancies a cheeseburger same mate same i might drive to mackey's after this i haven't had dinner yet all i've had is doritos and yogurt covered raisins (laughs) (laughs) i'm a real grown-up thank you the breakfast of champions um so he goes to uh jack in the box i think it's a you know whatever it's a mackey's but not yeah yeah yeah. he heads to the one that's across the road and he sees a black man in the parking lot Okay, cool. Standard, whatever. And then he finds out that the, the the drive-in that's across the road is full. So he drives like 15 minutes down the road to the next one. Oh, love it. How convenient. Oh, that is and so, just comes back. That's so me. Like, <laughs> yeah. The amount of times I've been like, oh, do you fancy a McDonald's? And we get there and the drive-thru is like long as fuck. And we just go home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he didn't give up, Meg. He's not like you. He's not a quitter. He's in the Marine. So he went to the next Jack in the Box he could find. Uh, got himself that cheeseburger because, again, not one to quit. Man's got very much. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he gets back to the car park of his apartment block and sees the same black man getting into a van. And according to Kevin, the man had ducked down when he saw him. And Kevin thought that this was probably to like hide his face. So he was like, this guy is sketchy. Why is he trying to hide hide his face from me and is ducking down? Yeah, that is weird. When, when I'm in the parking lot with him, that's super weird. And so he gets into his flat, which is on the ground floor. So, you know, doesn't take too long. Gets in and Diane, his pregnant wife, is unconscious and has been beaten. Fuck. Uh, She's alive. Don't you worry. This isn't one of the murders. However, the baby is lost as a result of this attack. That makes you really sad. Yeah, I know. Um, Oh, yeah. Content warning. A baby, well, a fetus um, dies and some young, some young uns as well. And there is rape. Now I will be sad. There's that. It's okay. Yeah, soz. Um, So, yeah, the the baby is is stillborn um, Mm -hmm. in the hospital later on. And also, Diane suffers from severe brain damage as a result of the attack and actually can't remember a thing that happened. Fuck. Oh, it's the worst when you hear stories about that. Yeah. Kevin and Diane move in with her parents while she starts to recover. Oh, hello. My cat just came Mm -hmm. to join me. Do you want to hear about murder? Oh, yes. Cute. Um, 
and she tr- she's she's recovering, you know, physically and also trying to remember what actually happened the night that she was attacked. Right, yeah. Now, this is where it gets tricky. So Kevin and Diane had a tumultuous relationship and the police were often called to their apartment to break up fights. Right. And there's this awesome blogspot entry, which I'm going to include in the show notes. And the person who wrote it says that this person thinks that based on the violent history of their relationships, Diane's parents assumed that Kevin is the one that beat her and planted that information into her brain. Whether it was subconscious that they did that or whether it was purposeful because they thought he was actually guilty, we can't say. Right. But the blogspot person thinks that they sort of went like, oh, he was violent to you, though, wasn't he? Oh, do you think he could have possibly, you know, snapped that night and, you know, sort of created false memories? So actually, one of Diane's doctors was talking to them about how they're going to have to be pretty neutral because false memories can be implanted and do get implanted in cases of memory loss like this. Yeah, just because you're super suggestible and you're so desperate to remember anything that, you know, you just create them. Your brain just does it. Yeah. Anything that's not an open-ended question is just going to, yeah, fuck. Diane eventually, air quotes, remembers the events. Right. And she calls the police to tell them what she remembers. Mm-hmm. She says that she and Kevin had argued because he wanted to have sex and she didn't. And that the argument ended in him raping and beating her. The prosecution is saying Kevin did that and then left to go get a burger and went to the one that was further away so that he could say, I was gone for 20 minutes and I came back and my wife was beaten. Poor me. Oh, of course. That's what they're saying. Okay. And what I'm assuming is that the black man in the car park thing would have been brushed off as a racist, oh, I saw a black man, so that's suspicious, attempt at shifting the police attention away from him. Because I mean, it was the 70s, they probably would have been like, yeah, mate, you're right. Exactly. You know? like, yeah. So, so that's... That's sort of why I'm assuming they didn't look into that because that is suspect. But at the same time, they probably just thought he was racist or whatever. Yeah. So Kevin actually gets convicted of second degree murder of the unborn child and attempted murder of Diane, as well as assault with a deadly weapon. Oh, shit. Yeah. November 7th, 1980, he is sentenced to 15 years to life and he maintained his innocence throughout everything every single parole hearing he declared that he was innocent and you know how they won't put you on parole unless you show remorse yeah he was never paroled even no matter how good a prisoner you are unless you show remorse for the crime that you did you don't get let out which sucks for people who are innocent because they're just they're like well i didn't do it though and they're like well if you're not sorry you can't get let out and they're just they're like oh my god i'm not sorry because i didn't do it oh my god and it's like a fucked if you do fucked if you don't think because then you go oh i am sorry and they're like oh so you did did it so you did do it and you were lying oh we knew it you filthy murderer you know like bastards yeah so he is convicted and um spoiler alert he's innocent he didn't do it so there's literally no evidence to the fact that he did it other than the fact that he was there afterwards and yeah that's it (laughs) hang on i just got a text from izzy she said if i poop will you hear it on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) that's so considerate of her bless izzy you go ahead you you poop go on you do it cushion it with loo roll at the bottom yeah make a landing pad poseidon's kiss is the worst right (laughs) back to murder let's cut all of that right here is where it gets even worse so not only is an innocent man in prison but there is actually some evidence to show that he shouldn't be. Okay. This evidence is in the form of six attacks 
that are exceedingly similar to this attack on Diane. Right. Five women died from blunt force trauma to the head after their ground floor apartments had been broken into. <gasps> no. They'd, and they'd all been raped. Fuck. And the police don't seem to link this to Diane's story, even though it's exactly the same. So, so far, this is why it's been similar to the lipstick killer case. Because the evidence yeah. is just not there, pretty much. Which angers me. Like, why did they put someone in prison when there's not... It's, oh, it bothers me. Well, it's like my case from... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, literally. Right. It, it, you know, but, but the thing is, like, your guy was, like, a sociopath and everything. And this one's kind of like... He didn't do he it. He genuinely didn't. Yeah, like, exactly. Anyway, and, and apparently, you know, the violence and everything, apparently they'd been that like after that, they'd been like trying to work on their marriage. And from all accounts, it wasn't like he was abusing her. It was like they had a physically violent relationship. OK, so she gave it back. Yeah, I'm pretty sure because I didn't see anything that said any that said stuff like it was abusive. It was very much their relationship together. The two of them was violent when the two of them interact, you know? Yeah, weird. Anyway, so that's how it was similar to the lipstick killer case. And now, this is where it gets similar to the East Area Rapist. Sneaking in, breaking into women's apartments, killing them, raping them. Yeah. Who is he? Also in California, also in the 70s. Hello. Very similar. It's, it's, not, it's not him, though. But, but yeah, very similar. Very similar. You're right. And there's going to be some DNA. But first, let's talk about the victims. Do it. On the... Uh, <coughs> on the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. I should go into radio. Um, <laughs> December 1st, 1978. 17-year-old Sandra K. Fry is bludgeoned to death. The attacker enters via her bedroom window and didn't steal anything and left the same way he came in. Fine. And from her the crime scene there they get semen they get a fingerprint and they get shoe prints good april the 1st 1979 mm -hmm. 21 year old kimberly gay rawlins is attacked bludgeoned to death raped the front door of her flat was slightly open so we're assuming that's how he got in and she was still alive when her roommate found her but she died while receiving medical attention after her roommate had called for oh, help no. and from that case they got blood type o negative however they didn't make the link between sandra's attack and kimberly's attack oh okay then you get this one isn't a murder and i only saw her referenced in one source yeah however july 19th 24 year old jane Pattongill was attacked she survives but she never saw her attacker's face so maybe that's why i didn't show up in any other sources because she's alive and there isn't this whole innocent man in bars story behind it so maybe that's why i didn't see it in many sources sure but her attacker also had blood type o negative is o negative one of the rare ones or i think it's something different i don't know i don't even know what my blood type is i don't know what mine is should, it seems to be a thing in loads of schools where they're like oh let's find out what your blood type is but i literally don't i couldn't tell you like we never did that i couldn't tell you a little Google quickly, because I'm interested. So, September 14th, 1979, 31-year-old mm -hmm. Marilyn K. Carlton was a widow living with her nine-year-old son. Now, I have different accounts of what happened here. Mm -hmm. One source said that the son woke up, and so the attacker went and met the son in the corridor, put his hands on his shoulders, and told him that everything would be okay, and the son goes back to bed, and that he wakes up the next morning to find his mum beaten to death. Fuck. However, according to a different source, um, case law, which I'll put in, this, in the notes as well, 
Uh, quote, defendant said when he exited the bedroom, he bumped into the boy in the dark hallway and the boy asked, what's wrong with mommy? And the defendant did not say anything, moved the boy aside and left the apartment in the same way he entered. Oh my God. So there's two conflicting accounts, but either way, he, this nine-year-old encounters his mum's murderer. How awful. That's terrifying. And just the last nail in the coffin and how awful that is, there was no physical evidence at her scene. So there's no evidence. You know, with with each murder, you get a little bit more, right? And the the police are getting a bit more. They've got nothing to go off, no? What do you mean? What what evidence do they have out of that? Anything? Well, no, but what I'm saying is the murders beforehand where they got blood types and fingerprints and shoe prints and stuff. Yeah. You know. They got nothing. Yeah, so in a way, I feel like she couldn't even contribute to the catching of her killer, which kills me inside because you know when people like have scrapings under their fingernails and stuff and it's like haha bitch you killed me but look what i got your dna motherfucker you know yeah i know so it kind of kills me that there was no physical evidence there because i want so badly for her to have revenge in just the smallest way possible yeah in any way possible yeah just quickly what was his blood type oh negative yeah that's only 6.6 percent of the population Mm. yeah So I can assume that Kevin wasn't O-negative, so why the hell didn't they just test his blood type and then say he was innocent? I don't understand. Yeah, you think they would just do that first. Oh, just in case. But I feel like quite often in America, they're like, oh, we got some anyway. Don't worry, we got someone for that. As if, like, people are interchangeable and they don't matter. Yeah, fucking Americans. Bastards. (laughs) I'm half American, it's fine. Bloody Yanks. Oh, yeah, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay, so... Um, then you got 16th of October, 1979, 24-year-old mm-hmm. Deborah Kennedy. The screen is removed from a window in the bedroom. She's beaten to death. She's raped. And yeah. they managed to get a semen sample. Same blood type, everything like that. Okay. 20th of October, 1979, 17-year-old Deborah Lynn Sr. Now, this one creeps me the fuck out. Go on. He hid in her flat for 20 minutes before she came home. No. He then watched her make a drink in the kitchen go to the living room, sit on the sofa and fall asleep. Oh my God. It's like that urban legend. You know, the story where it's like, oh, girl wakes up at midnight. She puts her hand under the bed to feel for the dog and something licks her hand. No, no, And she no. gets up oh, and she no, goes yeah. to the bathroom oh. to go for a wee and the dog's dead. And in the mirror, it says, your hand tastes nice. And then she turns around and do, 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 do. Yeah, that's the... You, didn't you never told that when you were a kid? Yes, I was told that when I was a child. And I hate... I'm, I'm genuinely looking around the room right now. That was, honestly, it scared the shit out of me as a kid. Really? Mate, you you do a scary podcast. Yeah, but there are certain things which really terrify me. Bless you. Um, but yeah, no, it, there, there, was cer- there are certain things like that, which my paranoid little mind, if, if it gets into my brain, that's it. No, I'm, that's fair. I'm done for the night. My partner has a phobia of people standing in corners like facing away because quite often in horror movies like it'll be like oh my god and then it pans to the corner and there's just this person standing in the corner like facing away and it is creepy i get that oh you you know the other one that really gets me is the clown Mm. in the babysitter story have you heard that one yes yeah yeah yeah. oh what's this clown statue do i tell it for any listeners that don't know yeah go on oh it creeps me out so much i feel so gross (laughs) Uh, you want me to tell it it's yeah i'm squirming it's like so there's a babysitter, right, and she looks after the kids one night. Parents go out and they say, if you need anything, just give us a call. You know, put the kids to bed, look after them, turn on the TV, whatever. And she goes around, checks the house before she goes to sleep because she's staying the night. And she notices this weird, like, statue of a clown outside the window, like, like you know, like on a, on a balcony. She's like, oh, what? in my version of the story, it was in the living room in the corner. Oh, my God, that's scary. Yep. Okay. And she, like, shuts the curtains and goes to bed in the morning. And she's like, oh. 
you know, that, that statue of the clown wasn't on your balcony last week. Where'd you get that from? That's really weird. And they were like, we don't have a statue of a clown. Oh, no, my story is different. Oh, okay. It's, it's in the living room. Yeah. And she sends, um, she sends a text to the parents or whatever, just being like, yeah, lol, a fucking weird clown statue. That's creeping me out a bit. But yeah, everything else is fine. The kids are asleep and she's just chilling down there. And then the, she gets a text that says, we don't have a clown a clown statue. Get the kids and get out. And oh. the story ends there. Okay, that's worse. I don't like that one. It's presumed that she dies and so do the children. Fuck. We should do, we should do a fucking mini-sode on just urban legends and stuff. I genuinely, all my hairs are standing on end. And these stories really get to me. Like, oh, I'm, oh, bless that's you. it. I'm not sleeping. What should I, what should I binge watch tonight? Catfish, mate. Always. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Right, okay, so <laughs> so he hid in her flat, she falls asleep on the sofa, and then he bludgeons her and rapes her. Fuck's sake. That's the end of those, that's the end of the victims, we're all good now. So, murders are over, we go to 1996. Yeah. That's when we were born. Yeah. Baby Luxe and Baby Meg, bringing themselves into the world. Well, we didn't bring ourselves into the world. That would be fucking That would be weird, fucking it? impressive, um, mate. Older me as a midwife, just pulling a baby me what out. What a party like, trick. <laughs> Look at them. <laughs> Look what I made. <laughs> right. Uh. So they start getting forensics to investigate the string of attacks by what they name the bedroom basher. Right. Because he goes into your bedrooms and he bashes you. So he's the bedroom basher. That's so creative. I know. I don't think I would ever <laughs> have come up with that on my own. And so they look at the DNA sample from Jane Pattengill's attacker. She's the one that survives. Yeah. Um, other than Diane, who's the one whose husband is in prison. The unknown sample taken from Jane Pattengill's attack is a perfect match to Gerald Parker's DNA. Right. He is a convicted sex offender and he's due to be released from prison in less than a month. No. So there is a rush to put together a case against him. Yeah. Now I'm going to give you a bit of his background. He is a black man, born in 1955. Mm -hmm. The first public record of Parker is in the 1960s, where he served a term in juvenile hall for sniffing glue. Really? He spent... 7.5 years in the Marines. He was stationed at bases in North Carolina, Alaska, and Mississippi before ending up in El Toro, California. Okay. He was a drug addict and had a, quote, troubled background, although I can't find much info on what the troubled background was. However, he was charged for two rapes, one robbery, and one assault. Right, okay. So he has a criminal record. Yeah. Um, and in 1980, he kidnaps and rapes a 13-year-old girl and is sentenced to six years in prison. What a cunt. So the police go and interview him, and they're like, we got your DNA, what's this? Um, and he doesn't confess until they bring up the Kevin Green case. And detectives don't think that he would have confessed if it wasn't for Kevin Green being in prison wrongly. Right. Because Kevin was a fellow Marine. Oh. And so he felt some sort of kinship and felt guilty that a fellow Marine was in prison when he didn't deserve to be. And also, when does DNA technology properly come out? That's the thing. It's around that time, isn't it? It's around that time. So that's why they only had the blood type before. And then they could actually match it to a person afterwards. And I know from reading other cases, they had massive problems when it first came out because people on the jury and in the stands just didn't understand what the fuck they're on about and didn't care about it. Whereas now it's crucial in everything. Yeah. Mad, isn't it? But now you've got the uh, reverse problem where it's like forensic forensic files issue where if there's no DNA evidence, people will be like, well, on forensic files, there always is. So without forensic evidence, I'm not going to convict. And it's like, we don't need that. Get out. (laughs) Like we need need a, a healthy dose of middle ground, please. Anyway, so he does confess and police think that it was because of the Kevin Green 
thing. Right, okay, yep. So he confesses that between 1978 and 1979, he raped and murdered five women in Orange County, California. Okay. He said he'd use a hammer, mallet, or piece of lumber to bludgeon the, bludgeon the women to death. Mm-hmm. So he gets charged for these crimes. He confesses he gets charged, right? Yeah. Then we get the trial and everything like that. And there is, if you want more detail on exactly what happened, oh my God, there's such a long, long document on it. It's the um, case law. Okay. Go and read it if you fancy it, but I wouldn't. It's very Probably long. Me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> just just listen to me tell you the, tell you the, uh, the brief. Sounds much easier. So the defense conceded that, yeah, he's the one that did it because he said he did it and the DNA says he did it. So yeah, okay, he did it. Yeah. Okay, great. Thanks for conceding that. Duh. Not like you could not. But then, <laughs> but then they go ahead and say, oh yeah, he should only be charged with second degree murder um, because he was intoxicated? No, I know about second degree murder now. That's not how it works. Yep. Apparently, if you're intoxicated, w- what this defense team is trying to argue, if you're intoxicated, that means that you have diminished capacity so you can't be held accountable. And I'm there like, no, diminished capacity is if you have 70... Uh, an IQ of 70 or below I'm yeah. pretty sure or um, you know for what other, like there's there's other things that come into play like addiction and stuff because manslaughter if you're like a DUI you can get manslaughter for being under the influence but it's not and, and like hitting someone with your car but it's not about that the reason that second degree murder and first degree are different is the the premeditation yeah so it's about whether or not you planned it and he obviously did because he kept doing it over and over again yeah and even if he does have a diminished capacity someone with diminished capacity can still think ahead yeah definitely and hello he's thinking ahead so the diminished capacity doesn't diminish his ability to reason about whether or not to do this because he does and at one point he waits 20 minutes thinking about what he's going to do so he's thinking about it and just because he's drunk doesn't mean he's not culpable for what he thinks about yes Spot on. And he does it again. So it's not like he feels guilty when he's sober. Because he just does it again. He's a dickhead. I think the girl who survived said that she didn't notice any signs of intoxication. So she didn't see his face. This is P- Patton Gill. She, okay. Oh, no, actually. I think it might have been one of his oh. rape victims. Because remember, he had two rape. He was uh, charged with two accounts of rape prior to this. Yeah. It might have been one of them. But in any case, one of his victims said that she didn't actually notice any signs of intoxication. So he very well could have been doing some of them sober. Fuck. So it's just a shit defence all around. Yeah. And the judge thought so too. That's always good. So he was convicted in October of 1998 on six counts of first degree murder. Good. Six counts of first degree rape. Yeah. And one count of first degree attempted murder. Good. Now it's six counts of first degree murder because five of them are for the women that he killed and one of them is for the baby. You should get fucked for that. Yeah. So in January of 1999, he is sentenced to death, plus life without the possibility of parole, plus 64 years in prison. So he is not going anywhere. And after the hearing, the judge says to Parker that his, quote, inhuman behaviour is beyond belief. Oh, I love these little quotes from fucking judges. They're always like, zing. I know. They're just like, you're a piece of shit. You're a piece of shit. I'm not taking any of your shit. It's great. You're going. You're going. Now, I'm going to read you a quote from um, articles.latimers... La- LA Times. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Did I just say Latimers? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, I'm a fucking idiot. All right. <laughs> anyway, this quote is serious, so oh, let's chaos. take it down. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, God. Right. Quote. 
Parker will have a peaceful death by lethal injection, said Jackie Bissonette, whose sister, Deborah Lynn Sr., 17, was among Parker's victims. Mm -hmm. Our sisters, daughters, and friends were left bleeding to die. Victim Deborah Kennedy's sister, Anne Jones, said her younger sister's murder has had a devastating effect on the whole family. Jones said that even after all these years, she still doesn't leave a window open or answer the phone when her husband is not around, end quote. Yeah, so... Whilst obviously people are happy that he's being sentenced to death, they're just they're like, yeah, well, he gets lethal injection and my sister was bludgeoned to death and then left bleeding. Yeah, it's fucked, isn't it? Like, it's really hard listening to, to statements like that and thinking about it in such an in-depth way because, like, fundamentally, I don't agree at all with the death sentence. Like, I, I think mm-hmm. that's that's something which... the A basic human right is to have a right over your own life and what happens mm. with your life being there or not. But listening to that, it's like, fuck, she's got a point. Yeah, I mean, as everyone knows from my uh, episode about um, Peter Woodcock, I am pro-killing these motherfuckers. But, I mean, I completely understand why people are against it. It's just... Yeah, that's fair, mate. I'm, 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 I'm I don't not. blame you. <laughs> um, thanks, mate. Although, like, I don't... I wouldn't go as far as to be like, well, he bludgeoned them to death, so he should be bludgeoned to death. I'm not no, one I of those know. people. That's just silly, but... I'm just there like he's not what he's not worth our time and energy like why would we try and rehabilitate him or why would we try and like feed him and clothe him and keep him somewhere warm with a bed when actually we could use our resources to help do all of those things for homeless people who have done nothing wrong that's fair you know that's that's where my mindset is at but it's a very I, I get that it's a tricky subject in any case he gets killed on June well it doesn't have a date it just says June of 2017 oh wait so, that was that's recent then what the fuck yeah so last year because i was gonna say like oh i was like oh why bother giving him like a prison sentence but then i remembered that they don't tell you when you're gonna die that's part mm-hmm. of it isn't it they just do it mm-hmm. which i think is actually the most fucked up part of it all i'd be fine if i had a day sometimes they tell you i think it depends state mm. to state and country to country as well i think in italy or china they're very different places but it's definitely one of them um <laughs> that said that doesn't like literally doesn't tell you until they come to your cell and they're like right off you go going to die now but i think there are some states where they don't tell you until that day and then they're like this is your last day make the most of it and i then i think like other places are like yeah it's it's they set a date and you just have to wait for it i'm i think it just depends state to state i'm not sure which one this was and yeah kevin green was released after 16 years of being imprisoned for something he did not do oh my god his wife still tried to sue him for wrongful death of their unborn child, however. Jeez. Um, and I couldn't see where that went. I don't think it actually worked, but he's actually not bitter at her for that. He's like, fair enough, she didn't remember anything. She lost her child. Of course she's upset and she's going to take it out on someone and I happen to be there. He's actually a really good guy. That's really big of him. I know. So he's not, after 16 years in prison, he's not mad at her. And in October of 1999, Governor Gray Davis awarded Green with $620,000 in compensation for his prison. It's not time. enough, but it's not enough. Good. But it's, it'll, I mean, it's, it's more than half a million. It means that luckily he won't have to worry about a lot of problems that people who have recently um, been given their freedom back have to worry about. Exactly. Which is, which is good because that's half the fucking punishment of prison is what happens afterwards if you ever get out. Exactly. And also, it's ruined his career. Like, he starts in the... He's in yeah. the Marines, and he's 21, and then he gets out, and he's what? If it's 16 years, like, he's 37. So that's his Marine career gone. He probably can't go back either, because it will still be on his record. I doubt they'll take it off. No, they, no, they will. They definitely will. Yeah? Yeah, because okay. it was it was wrong. It was a wrongful conviction, so they'll, they'll rub that off. 
surely. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, it, it it's in the papers and everything. Like people but would know like, who he is. If he goes to apply for a job and they're like, "Where have you been for sixteen years?" and he goes, "I was in prison, but I didn't do it." And unless they Google it and do the research and read this whole case, you know, it's still he's still gonna have a stigma there if he has to explain it at all. Yeah, but I mean, he seems happy. He's got a wife. He's got kids. He seems to be doing. But good. it's better, and he's not bitter. He's just a great guy. So mm. the case kind of ends on a high because it's like the dickhead's dead. Ding dong, the dickhead's dead. <laughs> and um, and the uh, the heroes live in a happy life with money and a lady and some babies. So, I mean, obviously, the for the for the victims, nothing's great. But yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's this is kind of like the best case scenario that could have happened there. Yeah, because think about how many fucking thousands of people right now are going through the same shit, but the real person hasn't been caught. Yeah. Or whatever, yeah. you know, like yeah, like there, apparently there's fuck. a lot of um, that was good cases that surrounded the East Area rapist, like in that time. And there's actually a Reddit. Yeah, I did a meg. I went on Reddit. Hey, um, there's a Reddit thing where I didn't read through it because I was like, I'm, I just want to watch Catfish now. I've got my, I've got all my case <sighs> notes. I don't need this. <laughs> but it, I, I might include a link to it actually because there is this one comment where they go through a list of all the reasons why California was so rife with this sort of crime at the time. Yes, I've heard about this. Yeah, so it's like, um, you know, people migrating there and and um you know like the, something about a war just ending oh, or something i'm sure they mentioned like this that. on a podcast i don't think it was the last podcast no i feel like I, it was I a lady it podcaster well it, it might have been all crime no cattle actually because i remember when it when we all found out who it was they did a bit at the beginning of their new thing saying basically like if you're interested, read up on it because it is super interesting. A lot of this shit was happening. Ooh. Hmm. Let's go back and have a look on that. But that's about Texas and this is about California. So this is like mm. a specific... Yeah, yeah, no. She she was talking about um, the East Area Rapist. Oh. Because we just found out who he was at the time. Because it was only a month, like what, a month and a half ago Are maybe? Sure we that was out? all crime, no cattle then? I feel like it was, but I could be wrong. Are you sure it wasn't my favourite murder? It might have been. It might have even been slaughter, mate. It was a while ago and I have not, I've not got a good memory, to be honest. Who knows? Um, in any case, yeah. So I will include that link because it is very interesting. And I did read some of it, but like I said, catfish called. So <laughs> yeah. Should we try that new thing we were talking about then? Yeah. Okay, if you explain it because it was your idea. Okay. So if you listen to My Favourite Murder, you know that they've got a fucking hooray at the end of their episodes, which is when they say something that they're grateful for or happy about that's happened in the mm -hmm. week uh, since they last recorded. All Crime No Cattle does a news story, a good news story about something good that happened in Texas to like cheer you up after the episode. And Fame and Misfortune do makeup tips at the end because they're both makeup artists. And basically there's a bunch of other examples I could give of people trying to add some levity to this gross stuff that happens. Yes. So I was thinking, why don't we just tell each other about something that we crushed this week? And you can be like, yeah, I killed it. I'm killing it. I'm killing it at doing this. Um, because, you know, we're kind of called killing it. So that would be fitting. Relevant. It would be, yeah, it would be fitting. You're right. If you happen to not have been particularly killing anything or anything new, like you're still killing the same stuff that you've been killing in the previous weeks, mm. you can say something nice about somebody else. Or, you know what? American Horror Story, they weren't killing it. Hotel kind of lost me. But now they're killing it with their new season. Yeah. Of I like that. Yeah. Um, I'm killing it at being a housewife. Last night after I finished Colts, 
I googled how to organise a Tupperware drawer. Oh, get you. Yeah, and I found a circular shelf that's going to go where this really gaudy piece of art my dad has is. And uh, I'm going to put it in his bedroom because uh, he likes it, he can have it. That's a very good but idea, I like that. It's not going to be in my... My living space. So I'm killing it at being a housewife because I'm going to make this place very shiny and pretty. Good. That's awesome, man. Mm. This week, I am killing it at making fucking junk food, mate. Like, yeah? normally my dinners, my dinners are quite healthy. I'll have chicken and salad or fish and salad or whatever, right? Because <laughs> uh, my partner cannot eat a fucking meal without salad, right? That's What, really? Thing. Yeah. Like, mate, I go to their house, their family's asked for a roast. And I look at the table, there's a fucking salad. You on don't the have a salad degrading. with a roast. That's incorrect. Is, it, is this because they're do Portuguese? You know I mean? do, they, do they just think salad's yes, a thing everyone exactly eats? that's exactly what it is. Jesus. Yeah. I'm not even joking. They are wrong. And apparently a salad can just be tomatoes. <laughs> no. Yeah, I know. No. I don't even get me started on this. Yeah, apparently in their country, that's how it works. And I said, I said to her, well, you're in fucking England now. No, <laughs> get out of my country. <laughs> get out of my country. That's why I voted Brexit. Oh my God, no. Uh, no. <laughs> no, I didn't. Anyway, right. Back to rewind. <laughs> Basically, this week, one night, I had a smash burger, which for the uninitiated, you know, five guys where it's like super crispy, like thin mm, patty mm, burger mm, with mm, like melted mm, cheese. Mm, mm, I made a double burger, a smash burger in my house. Is this the one you put on our Instagram yeah, story? Smoked out the whole damn yes. flat. It was the tastiest thing. Had jalapenos on top, underneath the cheese, two cheeses, loads of lettuce. Oh, mate, brilliant. And then last night, now our American listeners will know what this is, but the, currently like the only Taco Bell in the UK is like I've I've been there once right on my way through and um so I was on a day out there once and I tried one basically and oh my goodness this a crunch wrap is like meat of your choice on a tortilla oh I mean google it if you don't know what it is and then uh and then it's like on top a really really crispy fucking tortilla chip and then sour cream hot sauce jalapenos like uh like a salsa lettuce and then you you wrap it all up, wrap it all up, and then you toast it so it's all melty, and then you fucking eat it like an animal, and the sauce gets all over you, and you're hungover, and oh, now you feel yeah. like a human being again. <laughs> Brilliant. So I made them, and I was really proud of them. That was my week. Nice. Thanks, mate. Yeah. To me, to me, junk food is anything without any sort of vegetable in it. So you're there like, oh, yeah, I had lettuce and jalapenos, and I'm just there like, that doesn't count. <laughs> if it's not all beige and brown, it's not junk jalapenos food. Jalapenos are not one of your five-a-day looks. Yes, they are. Maybe if you eat enough. I, oh, I, I was just thinking, have I had my five-a-day today? And I was like, yes, I've had yogurt-covered raisins. That's part of my five-a-day, correct? Yeah, pretty much. I've had my five-a-day. I've had five cans of Diet Coke today. That's five-a-day. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I've also had strawberry jam on my bagel this morning. So, so healthy, mate. Mum, please don't worry about me. I promise I am actually <laughs> eating okay. <laughs> You get a very Sorry, worried mom. text in a week and a half's time. <laughs> Legit. Oh, oh, oh no. Dear. All right. So, do you want to tell the fine folks where they can find us? Okay, you can find us at Killing It Crime on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Killing It Crimecast on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Have a little search of Killing It the Crimecast on Facebook and follow our page because we've not got many followers on our Facebook. We've got like more than double on everything else. Yeah, I know. And you can shoot us a message on any of those platforms at any time. As some of you have been doing, you know who you are. Thank you very much for your messages this week. It's been lovely. My first week as a brand new baby podcaster. Hello, bye bye. It's been very cute. And that's us. It's where we live. 
Yeah. Online. And you can email us at killingitcrimecast at gmail.com. Yes, that's And if you would like to give us money, Mm. we will reward you with stickers and stuff. That is all coming very soon to those who are patrons at the moment. Don't you worry. I have ordered them. They're on their way to me and then they will be on their way to you. Um, And also we've got um, a bonus mini-sode up there at the moment and we will be putting more bonus content on there. And you get to see Meg's face because we've got an introductory video on there too. So, Oh, and by the time this episode comes out, there will be merch available to the public. At the moment, it's only for patrons, but by the time this episode has aired, it will be for everyone. Go buy it. So go and get yourself a t-shirt. I'm getting myself a tote bag. Meg's getting a mug. It's going to be great. It is very um, pretty, the new logo. So it's definitely treat yourself. It's, good. it's gorgeous. So do it. Yeah, do it. And um, we'll get some of that money. So that's a good way to support us as well. If you want to treat yourself and treat us too, we get some of the, uh, we get 25% do of it. what you pay. So that's it's not bad, is it? It's not bad at all. I think it's a pretty good money. deal, to be honest. Good. I think it's all right. Good. Great. All right. As always, <laughs> thank you for coming along and listening to us ramble. And uh, see ya. Bye. <laughs> credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.